This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. So we're going to dig in today with the scriptures a little bit. We don't have a lot of time because of communion, but... Um, it's going to be a good, uh, I believe, a message. I say that because I've been using this thought over the past year and a half and um, always had a, a thought about King David. And I remember growing up here and King David was a man after God's own heart. And that was a phrase that kind of perplexed me because I didn't know what that necessarily meant. But over time and prayer and engaging the scripture, I come to realize that what that means is that he's a man after God's will. And that's what distinguishes King David from almost everybody else in Israel at the time. Because remember, God, this was, it's like really crazy during that time of the, before the monarchy was put together and they were still under kind of judges and Samuel's kind of last judge phasing out. And then Israel said they wanted a what? They wanted a king. They wanted to be like the nation that's called coveting, right? They, they were coveting. So they wanted what the nations had. They rejected God as their king. They wanted a king. Now, even though in the scriptures it's predicted that Israel would eventually have a king or a prophet on the throne, that, that was coming. But during this time, there wasn't a king yet. So, so Saul became the king. And, and does anybody know who picked Saul as king? Please. The people. No! <laughs> I'm so sorry. You're young, so you take it. <laughs> it was who that picked no! They said, but they, who actually picked the person? God! Remember, he had everybody line up, and he kept, like, whittling them down until it got to the person. He wasn't there, and they're like, where? He's hiding behind the, like, trash cans, right? And he's, like, the tallest, most handsome, attractive man, long hair. He was, like, a stud, which is a good, at least when I was young, I was a good <laughs> 
maybe it wasn't good. So I will say it. So nevertheless, he was like the, a manly man. And he was the guy that Israel was like, oh, yes, that's the perfect king. But within one generation, he what? He blew it. And it makes you think, wait, wait, wait a minute. Why did God pick him? Why didn't he wait to pick David? You have to, you have to pause and reflect on that. You have to really think hard about that. Like, wait a minute, God picked the person who failed. That's, that's deep. But, but if you go deeper, you think about David's life focus was God's will. And in a culture where we want our lives to mean something, however, we wrestle with pleasure every day. And I always try to encourage people, and, and I always say, I'm not, I'm not opposed to prospering because in the Bible there is prosperity. It's there. But but financial material gain cannot be the chief end of your life. The primary focus of your life has to be your desire to worship God. If 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 your goal is to yield to God, then that's the true and perfect desire any human being can have. Jesus said, a time is coming when the true worship is the worship of God in what? Spirit and in and truth. Not not seek me because they're looking to get something from me, but seek me because they had a heart after me. And that's that's David. But what's unique about David, because he had a heart after God, God exalted him, God prospered him, God gave him almost anything he wanted. Now, it didn't mean he, he did everything right with what he got, but nevertheless, he still became king. And, and he was a shepherd king. If you, if you ever have an opportunity to read a book, it's one of the best books. I always talk about books, but it's, it's called A Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. Now, if you ever want to read a book on leadership, that's the book. Specifically church leadership, that's the best book. Because remember, David could have taken a throne twice, but he didn't. And, and when this psalm was written, David was made king over his people group, right? His brothers, his his direct bloodline but he wasn't made king yet over all of Israel so he's being coronated coronated he's been help me with the word now coronated thank you that's why you're here buddy to help me with that word <laughs> and thank you for your service too just so you know. so he's being made king at this time and and now we have this amazing insight I don't know but one of my favorite movies is not beside, beside Braveheart, it's called the Shawshank Redemption, right? And, and it is a horrific movie, right? <laughs> it's, it's tough to watch. But nevertheless, you know, one of the reasons I like it because of the narration. Who's the guy that narrated? Morgan Freeman, thank you. So Morgan Freeman narrates, and you can hear inside of his head the entire movie. And I like movies like that where you get narration. Now, good directors say, and I'm on a little soapbox right now, that they should, they should direct so good that they don't, they don't need to have that voiceover. But that's why I like comic books, right? Because comic books, they tell you what's inside the character's head. And, and we have this opportunity here in today's psalm to see inside of King David's head as he's being made king. Now, see, Psalms chapter 36, 7, and 8 Talk about David when he's in a difficult time. And the themes of all those songs are basically, wait, be patient, 
like God's going to move. You're in trouble. God knows that you're in trouble, but you need to be patient. You need to wait on the Lord. That's one of the hardest things for us to do in today's culture. Because before I go home, I'm going to eat some food. I'm going to get Cadoba. And they're going to make my little burrito, white, chicken, black beans, brown rice, in less than 20 minutes, maybe even 10. And I'm going to get that. And I'm going to go home. As soon as I get home, I'm going to turn on my lights. And I'm going to instantly watch what I want to watch on TV. Like instant gratification. But God has told people from old, wait on him. Because God is doing so many other things outside of just trying to alleviate your problem. God, through all these different complex networks of relationships, is trying to move on everybody in such a way that they end up worshiping Him. It's not simply that God's just trying to answer all my needs because my needs aren't answered outside of other human beings. You're, you're praying for a better job, a mouth your husband will get right. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble there, right? You're, you're praying for all these things to change, but God has to also change you. And so there's this dynamic that is working where God is using a coworker to say something and, and your, your family member to say something and you to consider as you pull back in solitude what everybody said and then, and then you go forward and God humbles you and you, you go through these variety of processes and you're like, man, why doesn't just God move the way I want him to move now? Because through this process of waiting, he's conforming you and transforming you into the image of Jesus Christ. And not only you, but all the other different people who are part of this dynamic that we call community. God wants us all to look like Jesus, not just me, not just you. So now King David is in the process of being coronated to to be made king. And in this process... He, he has these, these thoughts, these, these intimate concepts that he wrestles with that end up becoming some of the most loved scriptures in all the Bible. I got a quote, and I, and I really thought it was apropos today. It says, the heart is the place where our life gets its direction. And sometimes we have this problem. Have you ever been walking with God really, really good where you know you and God are just like kicking it? And all of a sudden you commit a sin. You ain't gonna say yes now, right? <laughs> oh, you are. Okay, okay. I was gonna say, okay. And you sin at that moment. And then how is your relationship with God at that moment? It's just like, right? It's like, uh. it's like you and your, your spouse, you're, you're married and you're still married, but you're just not married. You're, you're together, but it's just not just like gray and static, right? Like when you sin, it's like, this relationship has been messed up. But at that time, something unique happens, and it's scary for pastors, for leaders, for all of us, that you could get so much head knowledge about your relationship with God, and it doesn't come from your heart. That you could go through the motions like you're close to God. But in truth, you're not. You're, you're as far away from God as the stars are away from the earth. And it's a danger when, 
when you get that place where you get comfortable being outside of God's presence, outside of being intimate with God, that's probably the most dangerous place you could be. And honestly, that's, that's what Jesus was wrestling before he went to the cross. He was like, if this cup could pass me. We know martyrs have gone for centuries and died. They died bravely. But Jesus, for the first time in history, for in eternity, was going to be separated from the Father for the first time. He was like, I don't want to go through that. It's the heart, not the head. We think it's the head, but truthfully, it's the heart that directs our life. Here, Psalm chapter 40, it says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. Now listen to this. This is really controversial. My ears you have opened. And why is that controversial? Because the same scripture is quoted in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. And, and in Hebrews 10, verse 5, this part right here doesn't necessarily say that. It, it goes on to say, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. But, but you have prepared a body for me. And, and people, those people who are more critical of the scriptures say, ah, see, we got you. The Bible's not accurate. But, but you have to understand language. Like when, when the Septuagint was, was translated, translated from Aramaic to, to Greek, and in that they were trying to find the word that best, in a sense, highlighted what was being conveyed here in, in Hebrew. And that's the problem. So, so for instance, my ears you have opened. There's two primary interpretations of that. One is what? That you have like earwax. I'm joking, but I'm going to be serious. Like, it's like God is talking, but you're not hearing what God is saying. Because once you hear God and you obey God, that is the evidence that you really what? Heard him. Now, now the other interpretation of one, the one I like, is a, is a little different. So if you go to the Hebrew, this word you have opened is also digged. And if you go back to the Old Testament, what happened was when a, when a slave was, in a sense, underneath or in servitude to another Jewish person, there, there would come a time when they worked off their debt. Now, you could be a slave to a, your Jewish brother for uh, seven years. And after seven years, you had to be set free. Now, obviously, say something happened to the stock market. They, they made an investment. Things kept going bad in ancient times. And there was, there was a big drought. And they didn't produce enough grain. So now they're in trouble. So, so they, they start working for somebody who has the money to, to buy the land. And, and now they're working. But giving the profits to this other person for seven years. And then at the end of that seven years, they're like, shoot, I want to be what? Free. Now, what was interesting, during that time when you were a slave, if you got married... Do you know whose property that wife became? Not the husband, but the, the masters. And when you were set free, you know what? You didn't take the wife or the kids with you. So, so in this context here, something unique happened. That if you wanted to remain under the master, what they would do is they would take you to a door... They would put you against a door and they would take an auger or like a piercing tool and pierce your ear against the door so that you could have an earring. And the earring symbolized that you were a slave to that master for life. Now, it wasn't just a cruel form of slavery. Like I said, I'm African-American. I don't like talking about slavery, right? 
But this type of slavery was good. It was called a doulos in Greek. It was a, a love slave. It's saying out of love, you're willing to give all your rights to your master, not just because you love them, not, not just because your spouse, but because you genuinely love that master. You, you love that person. And a slave is someone who does not have rights or will. So with that large context, I come back to this scripture. What it's saying right here is, you did not desire sacrifice or offering, but, but my ears you have opened, meaning you have made me your love slave. And as a result, I no longer have my will. But now my life, just like in Hebrews 10.5, my body is yours now God my very being is yours remember this is King David as he's been made king and he realizes how good God has been remember how hard David had it before he became king he's sleeping in rocks he's, has, he's marrying women and they're, they don't get to go to a honeymoon they're sleeping on rocks together Like I mean they're sleeping outside in the woods. they're running for their life during this time, and during this time, he grew to love God intimately. And it wasn't when he was in the mountain or in the palace that he learned to love God. He learned to love him in the valley. And he got to know that God is trustworthy. So as being made king, he's like, look, you didn't really care about these sacrifices. That's not just going to make me right with you. Because what makes me right with you really is when I give my very being to you. He goes on to say, Bird offering is sin offering you did not require. It's just emphasizing what was just said. Now, listen to this. In verse 7, it says, Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. And we know from Hebrews, that's referencing who? Jesus. But here, David is speaking about himself. I delight to do your will, Oh, my God, and your law is within my heart. This is King David. This is a king who is sovereign, who has control. He can do about what he wants to do, but he has surrendered his will to the will of God. What is that? I can go to any, I can go to Disney World when I want. I can go to Europe. I can go see where Braveheart was from. I'm a king. I can do what I want. And he surrendered his entire will to do God's will because that's what a man who has a heart after God looks like. It doesn't mean he didn't have a great life. It doesn't mean he didn't accomplish goals. It doesn't mean he wasn't good at his job. It just meant that whenever God asked of him, he would say yes. When God called him, he would respond. He goes on to say, and nine, I proclaim the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I did not restrain my lips, O Lord. You yourself know. This is a man who, as God was blessing him and protecting him, he was not just keeping the information to himself. He said, that's impossible for me to do. 
my heart is to tell everybody how you kept me, how you protected me, how you watched over me, how you blessed me. Lord, I'm giving you all the glory. You've been good to me. So I don't want people to get it twisted that I'm some great man who deserves to be on this throne or I deserve to be the CEO or the CAO, the COO. I, I deserve to be the president, the vice president. It does, it's not because of the good things I've done or the great things I am. It's because God knew I was a man after his own heart. So because I humbled myself, he exalted me so that I could be used by him in a greater measure. He goes on to say, I've not hidden your righteousness within my heart. He wants to say, I, I got to tell people about this. I got to tell people about God. This is what it looks like when you are a person, a human being, and you surrender your will to God because God begins to move in your life. He begins to open doors. He begins to make waves out of no way. But you don't sit there and say, because of my master's degree, I've done this. I say, no, look what God did. All these things, I wish I could have planned this course. I wish I knew how to track and say I would end up here. But it's not because I was this great person. It's because he's a great God. And he's trying to tell other people so that they too can what? Do the same thing. Tell people about what God is doing in your life. When people say you're blessed to be a blessing, that's what it's talking about. God has blessed you so that you can tell other people about how good he is. And when other people know how good he is, they begin to do the same thing. He goes on to say, I've declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I've not concealed your loving kindness, your hesed, that's the word we talked about earlier, and your truth from the great assembly. He's like, I'm telling everybody the secret. God is good. God is awesome. God is amazing. It's not because I'm this great person with this great background, with this great intellect, with this great family lineage. It's because he's good. And every line here, one, two, three, he's saying the same thing. I told other people about God. I told other people about God. I keep telling other people about God. Got a couple points that we're done for the day. Having a heart for God is to have a desire to do his will, which is telling humanity about his goodness. Truthfully, we are like a pot, or as the Bible says, a potter in the pot, right? Like we're, we're, we're an instrument that God uses for his glory. But sometimes we come to God and we try to bargain and negotiate. We say, God, if I serve you, then conditional cause and effect, will you do this X, 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 Y for me? And he very well might do those things. He may do more. God can do so much more in your life. And you're like, God, I just want a happy marriage. That's all I want, God. Is that too much to ask? Can you make it rain? Make it rain. I'm, that's a good connotation. Make it rain right there, too. Never left. Like, make it all good, God. But, but did you do the, the first thing? Did you surrender your will to him? I've seen so many, I'm telling you, so many people who are telling me, I heard God. I, I, I'm texting people this week. God, I'm so frustrated with God. I'm so angry. I'm like, I'm like, why? Because God told me this, this, and I'm like, are you sure? Did he really say that? Like, show me the scripture. Well, I know God said this. I know it. I know I'm okay. Well, then why are you frustrated? Haven't you surrendered your will to God? Yes, but I want him to be faithful. Like, wait. Like, he is, when we are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he what? He can't deny himself. 
God is faithfulness comes from God. See, you tell people, don't stop praying. Why? Because he can answer in the next second. But if you give up, it's the evidence you're not really trusting him. Don't give up on God. Because he hasn't given up on you. But when God moves your life, make sure you tell somebody what he's done. I've had people say, my life is so much better after following Jesus. Can I tell people about that? My marriage will do us so much better because tell people about that. Tell people about the goodness of God in your life. Understand the dynamics of pleasing God because that's the ultimate end, that God ultimately finds pleasure through your obedience. That gives God pleasure. That makes Him smile. And, and, and that's ultimately, I think, the, the essence of a great relationship, that you're not thinking about just yourself, that you're thinking about the other person. My wife and I, we haven't been married long, but we're trying to get to that place. We're like, okay, I want to kiss you because it feels good to me. <laughs> Anybody with me? Y'all know you're here. And, and, and you got to, <laughs> somebody's got in trouble. I just saw that. I'm not even going to look over there or over there, wherever you are. <laughs> Don't raise your head again, my goodness. <laughs> but listen to this. I want to kiss you because it feels good to me. That don't always work. But if I kiss you because it feels good to you, that works every time. But you're like, what about me? There's some residual benefits there in this process, but you got to focus on them. Amen, Pastor. <laughs> Understand, pleasing somebody is complex, you all. It's difficult. Somebody got me this, um, was a video game, said I was so happy for a minute, but then I wasn't happy anymore. Seek to do the will of God. Seek to do the will of God. That is the goal. Seeking God's will. You have to actively seek that out. And if you're not actively seeking out God's will, what are you really doing? Faithfulness to God's will allows others to bring God pleasure as well. God wants other people to give him pleasure. God wants that. God wants you to please him. And if you do that, then other people will do the same. It's, it's like a multiplication process. <laughs> okay. Sit right there, buddy. Right. Get, get a drink of that right there. Glad we're almost done. Yep, yep, you get it. You can get it if you can find it. Oh, I, I'll give it to you in a minute, buddy. God's pleasure should be what? Your purpose. <laughs> That's the symbol that what? Wrap it up, Pastor. It's time. <laughs> God's pleasure should be your purpose. If there's one thing I want you to get out of this, is that God's pleasure should be your purpose. Remember, Dave was chosen because he was a man after God's own heart. Whose heart are you after? One more time, buddy, then we're done. We're going to jump into uh, communion now, and that's why the kids came back. I'm thankful for whoever's over there working with the children. Give them a hand because they work so hard.
Anybody learn anything today at all? Anybody? Yell something out there. There you go. See God's will. So what? What difference does seeking God's will make for your life? Anybody? You have to constantly do a heart check. That's good. The last thing. Oh, there you go. You already answered it. What can I do? You can, you can apply it. Work hard at it. We live in a, a difficult time, but it can be overcome. I believe if you're called to this church, you're called to be a soldier for God. So what I'm saying is learn how to fight. And that's what this church is about, giving you the tools so that you can fight. I may not always talk about the best subjects, but I'm trying to get you to love Jesus and to follow him. And I believe if you do that, then all the other things will fall into place. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. And it's why I see-